0: Welcome, everyone, to another inspirational moment. Today, I'm going to be sharing notes from Pastor Mike Silliman's sermon on Christ's second coming. I know this is a little different than what we normally do, as I normally share an inspirational moment from a historical Christian romance novel. But being the week after Easter, and I just felt like the notes I took here were really inspiring to me, and I hope that they inspire you as well. So I also want to tell you his full message can be found on Grace Community Church in Goshen, Indiana, their website, and I'll put a link at the bottom of this blog post for you. He started his sermon by asking, do you long for Christ to return? How we long for Christ's return affects how we live our lives. It has also been said that the degree to which we long for Christ's return is a measure of our spiritual condition. Those words really make you stop and think about where you're at. Do you long for Christ to return? I can say I do, but there's always this little bit of, I don't want to call it fear, but it's this unknown. I don't really know what it's going to be like. Um, I mean, we kind of know, but earth and life here on earth is all we've known, right? But I still long for him to come because I know with him, things are going to be so much better, right? We are to long for Christ's return and continue the work he has given us. Yet, we get distracted by what we call pit stops on our journey to heaven. And when we get distracted by things of earth, we stop longing for our home with Christ. And I can tell you that I am plenty guilty of this, of being distracted by pit stops here, by things of earth, right? That really, in the end, don't matter when compared to Christ. I loved this little tidbit of information that he shared, which is interesting. There are 1,845 biblical references to Christ's second coming. These outnumber the references of Christ's first coming by eight to one, which is huge because we know that Christ came the first time. And fulfilled over 200 prophecies. Therefore, we know he will come again to fulfill the 1,845 biblical references to his second coming. Just putting numbers on it like that really is astounding, isn't it? To think, first of all, they've done the calculations, which I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but I've heard many times that the odds that one man could fulfill even all the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus' first coming. Are astronomical. I've heard it said something like if you covered the state of Texas in dollar coin gold dollar coins and then you had one silver one and you threw it out there, the odds were like if someone skydived down, reached down through two feet of coins and pulled out that one silver coin somewhere in the state of Texas, which is crazy insane odds, right? But the thing is, as Christ followers, we know he's coming. Because he already came once, he already filled the the prophecies the first time, so we know he's going to come back and fulfill the prophecies for the second coming. Pastor Mike really focused in on 2 Peter 3, as it gives us direction on how to live in light of Christ's second coming. Because sometimes I feel like, and I don't know if anybody else gets in this trap, I know he's coming and he could come at any moment, so what's the this is gonna sound terrible, guys, but uh, sometimes I get stuck in this thinking of like, so what's the point of like pursuing some of these crazy dreams that I have? Right, these desires that He's put in my heart. What if I don't even get this dream up off the floor before He comes? But in the end, does it really matter? Because you're doing His work, right? You're doing what He's called you to do, and no one else can do what He's called us to do, but you. All right. So He starts off with Second Peter chapter three, verses one and two, and he talked about how we need to live under the authority and radical obedience of God's word, because it is our standard of truth. We will not be swayed by the currents of culture. And then he shared this little tidbit. I wish I could remember who he said uh, it was from, but if you watch his actual message, you'll hear it. But did you know there are three things that lead to moral social change in a society? And I want you to think about these and where we are today, at least here in America. Because he made the point that we're actually living in a post-Christianity culture here in America, which is totally new to us, right? If you think back to the past in America, people used to hold God's word in esteem. And I mean, it used to be very common to say, oh, wait a minute, that's not what God's word is, even in politics, right? So therefore, it doesn't line up with his word. Therefore, we're not going to do it. And you can just see that over time, like people really had honor and respect for God and his word. You don't see that anymore. And so I think that's probably where I struggle the most because knowing what it used to be and knowing what we're dealing with now. But these are three things that lead to moral and social change. So I just want you to think about it and how it impacts us here in America, at least. One, what was universally condemned is now universally accepted, okay? That's one change that has to happen. Two, what once was condemned is now celebrated, and what was celebrated is now condemned. I can say, just from my own thinking, one and two, we've already checked the box here in America for that. The third thing that has to happen to have a moral social change in society is those who refuse to accept or celebrate these changes are condemned. Some would say we already have three checked off. I personally would say we already have three checked off, but I could see it getting worse, to be honest. But let's keep going because those kind of may get us down a little bit, don't they? <laughs> so let's keep going because there is a lot of hope in this message too. So keep continuing with 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 3 and 7, right? I'm not going to read these verses to you, but I highly suggest that you take the time to at least read chapter 3 in 2 Peter. Something to pull out of verses 3 to 7. We will not run from or hide from unbelievers, scoffers, and mockers. Instead, we will remain steadfast in what we know is true and let our light shine brightly. The gospel was written for us. At this time. Isn't that really cool? I mean, like, God already knew all this was going to happen, right? And His gospel, His word, is like a love letter to us, and it just fills us with the strength, the hope, the peace, and the joy to keep going, to keep fighting the good fight. Let's move on to verses 8 and 10 in chapter 3. And let's think about this. We will see perceived delays as God's divine appointments. We will be hope dealers to the hopeless and hurting. His delay allows others to come to Him. One of the questions Pastor Mike asked was, imagine if God returned one week before you had accepted him as your Lord and Savior. In those chapter or in those verses 8 through 10, he talks about how God wants no one to perish, right? Even though we're sitting here, we're already believers and we're thinking, come on, Lord, let's face it, we're all drowning in sin here in America. We're like Sodom and Gomorrah. Where are you? Why haven't you come back? He doesn't want anyone to perish. We're all his children. So just imagine if he had come back one week before you had accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Doesn't mean he'll hold out forever. Obviously, the Bible lets us know that. What we see as a delay in response, we need to flip our perspective on that. God is allowing others to come to know him. Moving on to verses 11 and 12, here's a takeaway. We will live a life of daily repentance, putting to death the sin that entangles us and pursuing a spirit-filled life of godliness. We need to reorient our life to a gospel-centered life that bears fruit. This is something I am always just praying, Lord, please let my life bear fruit. I don't want to be a barren tree. And I highly doubt you do either. So then looking at verses 13 through 16, here's a takeaway from those. We will live our lives with balance, longing for heaven tomorrow while at the same time living on mission today. This one's the one that struck me because if you remember earlier when I said, sometimes when I think about like Christ is coming back and I know he's coming back. So what's the point of doing some of these things? Because I may never get them off the ground before he calls us home. It doesn't matter. We are to live on mission for him until he calls us home or comes back. All right. The last little tidbit comes from the last two verses, 17 and 18 in chapter three of 2 Peter. We will make the necessary adjustments to live our lives so we can grow in grace and be good and faithful stewards until Christ returns. I told you it kind of starts off a little like oh scary at the beginning, but then we end with such hope in Christ. Uh, And I know this is not our usual inspirational moment, but I hope you found it inspiring. Because as we face trials we've never faced before, may our hope, peace, and joy be anchored in Christ, our solid rock. He doesn't change with the current fad um, of society. His word is truth. So to hear this entire message from Pastor Mike Silman, visit uh, gracecommunitychurch.com. And I put a link in there. If you go, it's forward slash watch. Underneath there, it'll have past sermons. This is part of the trilogy series, and it is the third message in the trilogy series. If you go to visit it and it's not there yet, give them um, a few days. Sometimes it takes a week to get up. I think when I checked today, today is Sunday, April 16th, and they only had the first first of the three messages posted. But keep checking back, and I'm sure it will be there. He does a much more elegant job of sharing this message and he goes into much more depth than what I'm doing in this short little snippet, but I just really felt led to share it and I hope that it brought you some inspiration today. Thank you for tuning in to my inspirational moment from historical Christian romance novels. I hope you were inspired by God's love for you today. Knowing heaven and hell are real, and I want you to enjoy heaven with me. So I have to ask you, what's your exit plan when you die? Do you know where you're going when you breathe your last on this earth? I can tell you, I know my next breath will be in heaven face to face with my savior, Jesus Christ, because he bore my sins and your sins on the cross so that we could join him in heaven. All we have to do is accept his free gift of forgiveness and choose to live for him. If you're ready to take that step to secure your exit plan, then I invite you to join me in this simple prayer. Dear Lord, I know I am a sinner for man is not good apart from you. I thank you for bearing the punishment of my sins on the cross. And I ask today, Lord, that you would forgive me, wash away my sin and make me new in you. From this day on, Lord, walk with me until the day you call me home. Amen. Welcome home, my friend. And if you accepted Jesus as your savior today, I'd love to know. Leave a comment below this post or email me at literaryscape at literaryscape.com as I would love to pray for you as you begin this amazing journey with God. God bless and see you next time.